What if there are angels and spirits and godly beings that go with us and help us engage the enemy and, and displace the bad guys? What, what if it's true? Say it. I bless this land. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I bless the water I drink. Say it. In Jesus' name. See, so you can speak health into your water, and when you drink it, it goes into you. And see, most of you don't believe that, but God said, out of his mouth, he spoke and the worlds came into existence. His son, the word of God, lives in us, the word that created this place. Excuse me? Blessings. Food, say it. I bless the food I eat. Say it. When I eat it and I bless it, it becomes medicine for me. Do you hear me? Say it out of your mouth. Say it. When I eat it, it becomes medicine for me. Whatever my body needs, God fixes it for me. Because he loves me, that's why. Because he loves me, that's why. Because Jesus loves me, that's why. And I believe that. Say it. In Jesus' name, I bless my wife. Say it. I bless my wife. I bless my kids. Say it. I bless my family. I speak health to my family. In Jesus' name, I bless my enemies. I bless those that curse me. Say it. I do what the Word of God says. Say it. In Jesus' name. Jesus is king. Thank y'all. Have a seat. I want to do a couple of declarations with you, and I want to pray over your stuff. Because there, there's, there's actually four miracles that are pounded on me to get out, but a couple of them are, are outside of your range. And, and I want to talk about it. I want, I want you to get up and leave. Now let me tell you why. Because I am not in agreement with unbelief. Unbelief is my enemy. Unbelief is a devil. Clear? Now, being a son of God, it, and when you believe it, you're called a believer. When you don't believe it, you're called an unbeliever. So I'm a believer. <laughs> and I want to I share with you something about this and then a couple more miracles. But, the, but there, there's one of them I really want to get out. I want to see if I do it. It's because uh, you're not going to like it. I had a hard time with it. What he was preaching a while ago, man, I'll tell you, when God asks you to live it, it sucks. I don't like it. Having to be a Christian, I, it's horrible to have to be a Christian. It's easier to just tote a gun and be tough and proud and bad. That's easy. That's everybody in this room. But when you're asked to be a son of God in the face of something that you know is wrong, that's the more difficult question. Hello? Okay. But our, Jesus did it for us, so there you go. All right. I was over in uh, Virginia. Uh, 
messing around over there with these fire people. It's the Irish church over there. Uh, like I say, I work with with uh, with Heidi and Roland quite a bit, and I, they I go around to a lot of their work and uh, uh, do what I do, preach fire of God. And I'm over there in Virginia, and there was this uh, girl come up right uh, to me, young woman, a woman. And she says to me, I'm having that handkerchief in your back pocket. You know, and I, you know, I get confronted by that nearly every service. And, and I'm always, no, you can't have it. Well, you know, bring your own and put it up here. What, what's wrong with you going to Walmart store like I did? Dollar <laughs> fifty, you can have one just like mine. Same color and everything. Uh, Walmarts are everywhere. Look, this, this lady was quite aggressive with me, which I don't care. I, I usually have fun with that. Ms. Hogan, when she's around, she's the, she's the, the anchor, the stabilizer, the, the one that brings it back. To, I'm, the, I'm the blow it up guy, you know. The motions, get, it, get all up in everybody's goodies and, you know, all that stuff. Well, she, you know, this lady says, I'm having that handkerchief. I said, ma'am, you're not having anything. Ms. Hogan comes up. Now, this lady doesn't, you notice, she won't, she just won't be noisy to y'all, around y'all. Come here, woman. Hold that, what, you got a little cat or something going? This here is Ms. Hogan. This is my wife. Yeah. Yeah, we were 48 years or so, or 49, something. We've been married a long time. You, you still all right? You want to say something? Nothing. You're welcome. You know that, right? You can say anything you want. I don't care. I'll back you. You good? All right. Thank you. So, so anyway, this lady right here walks up. I'm engaged with this person, this young woman. Which we don't know her. I'm not from there. And she walks up there and touches me on the elbow. This lady does right here. Anybody in here been married more than 25 years? Raise your hand. Well, if 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 you if the wife comes up and touches you on the elbow, that's like 40,000 words were spoken. I mean, that's like three days of conversing negatively toward each other. Just in one little touch on the elbow, and and I said to her, I said I just turned and looked at her. She ain't having my handkerchief. And she didn't say nothing. And I turned back to the lady. I said, you might as well, you know, float your little canoe on. You ain't getting my handkerchief. <laughs> well, here comes the woman's hand a second time. You understand what that means when they touch you the second time? <laughs> it does not matter what the subject is. You gon' give in. You can say what you want. I don't, you, I don't care what y'all you, sh- I told her, listen to me, woman. She ain't getting my handkerchief. She said, look at me. Look at me. I'll buy you a dozen. No, no deal. She says, I'll buy you two dozen. I said, now, that's a deal. <laughs> two dozen handkerchiefs for one? I mean, who wouldn't? That's good business right there, boy. <laughs> this thing ain't worth no 24 handkerchiefs. <laughs> and uh, so I pulled it out, and that girl grabbed the handkerchief. I'm thinking, here's what I'm thinking. That she's going to be polite and all that because I gave in. Cause it was her. It was Miss Hogan that did it. I wouldn't have otherwise. 
uh, but Miss Hogan intervened, see. Well, the lady just took my handkerchief and just pressed her little butt right out that door. And I said, what? Could at least have the courtesy to sit down and let me fuss at you about it. No, y'all, she left. And I just, to me, that's gall. You know, that's just, that's just rude. That's like, what? And Miss Hogan's just pat, she's just patting me on the heart. That's <laughs> too late now. So I said, whatever. So, so a few months ago, we was back over there. And the place is just packed. I mean, there's hundreds of people in there. And you can't even move. There's so many folks. But I noticed this big old guy. Now, this boy was big. And I looked down at the thing, and he's staring at me. I thought, uh-oh. I don't know this guy, but evidently, we got some kind of interchange that's fixing to happen. So I slide over there to him, because, I mean, to me, might as well get it done. <laughs> well, I'll wait around. Just go ahead and get it done. If he's going to knock me out, just go ahead and get it done. I can go on and get the thing, get some stitches or whatever it's going to take. Ser I'm serious. So I went over there, and I'm looking at this guy, and he's big, and I'm looking at him. You need something? He said, I do need something. I need your attention. I said, you got it. <laughs> you, got my, you got my attention. What do you need with me, son? Now, he's a big boy now. I didn't recognize that girl yet. I was busy paying attention to the fella because he's a big boy. He reaches in his pocket and pulls out his hand. You know, it looked like one of mine, you know. And I'm looking at that handkerchief in his hand. I said, what's that there? He said, this is yours. And I said, where'd you get this? He just pointed. And I looked at that one. Oh, I remember you. <laughs> Y'all, listen now. I'm sorry to you. That guy brought me my handkerchief back. Thank God. Plus, I got 24. So look, I made out. <laughs> That's a whole handkerchief village right there. Well, this is how it went, y'all. I had no idea. That lady was in stress, right? Uh, it, I mean, it was easy to see. But her husband, the big guy, was laid up with three incurable diseases in the, in the intensive care unit at the hospital. And she went straight back from that church thing, even though she didn't do the meeting, she left. She went there, took my handkerchief, and did exactly what I told her, which was take it and lay it on the guy's head and just tell him, be healed in Jesus' name. The guy that owns this handkerchief says be healed. Well, she did that. She threw it up on the guy. Now, the guy's in a coma, three incurable diseases, been there for a long time. She threw the, old, the regular old handkerchief now, threw it up on that guy's head like that, and he wakes up and sits up. Yeah, that's good. That's a real good thing. And, and not only did he do that, but they held him for two more or three more days studying him. All the diseases left his body. Yep. And uh, that lady said, thank you, finally. And I said, no, that's all right. I got my handkerchief back. I'm okay. 
As long as I got my handkerchief back, everything's all right, right? <laughs> but that's what that is. Jesus can heal your body. Jesus can heal your friends and your enemies. You have to let him do it. It's called believing that Jesus is king. Because that lady wasn't friendly. I didn't see her as friendly. I saw her as intrusive. She was, she was aggressive with me. And I, I don't mind that because I'm aggressive. It's just that I go about it differently than she does. She, was, she didn't look aggressive. And I do. So I need you to let your friends and enemies be healed. You hear me? We can, we can do this. We can do this gospel, and we can do it where Jesus gets glory and men are left out. You hear me? See, see y'all, y'all don't know this. I'm, I'm not going to say much about it either. But uh, right now, there was a big offer put to my wife and I. Literally, ranks in, could be a billion U.S. You hear me? All I got to do is sell my soul. Play the game. Calm down my attitude just a little. Alter a few things politically. And I can have money without limit. And it's there. It's at the door. So what's right to do? Here's what Ms. Hogan said. I will follow you anywhere, but I ain't no prostitute. <laughs> I have to say I might be. If, I, if you want honesty... I'm telling you, probably her, I probably she is the anchor that holds me, probably. Because I, I go around this planet and I see the hurt. I see the real hurt that your life and your freedom has caused other people. It's not that you're bad. It's that people that's guiding you are. Something's wrong with the system. Because you live in a 12 percentile and 88% of the world lives in poverty. And, and I ain't going to curse you. I chose not to. That's not what I'm here to do. Let me tell you what I am here to do. I'm going to jolt you a little bit tonight. You come out here uh, and you, you, want, you think you want the power of God. You think you want a truth. Well, I got one for you. And I, I think I'm going to offload some of it to you. You hear me? Uh, you, you still John over there? Mr. John, put that picture of that boy with the crutches up there. I want y'all to look at that. <clears throat> now, this morning I showed you uh, a leper that was healed. Tonight I'm going to show you, because I get accused of stretching things a little. So I have decided to put it up there on a picture and let you look at it and sort it out for yourself. It gets old. People calling you on the carpet every few minutes because they want to live a life of being in debt and lying. 
and being under the credit card and bank owning their owning the house and they telling everybody God gave it to them. When I'm telling you, the bank is what gave you that house. And you lied to them so you could get it. Excuse me? Most everybody didn't put down the correct information on that card and you wouldn't have got that house. Say what? Now, I, I want to tell you about this man and how much your God loves this fellow. I'm not sure we wasn't in Nepal, uh, but we're supposed to, that's supposed to be India, but you look at him, he looks like he's from Nepal. Okay? All right. We had to get visas for India. That's not easy to do anymore. We had to buy plane tickets by not asking for money. You have to believe God for every plane ticket. And by not getting a salary, it makes things a little bit more stressful. It's called faith. But see that, see that man sitting out there? If you was to look out that window to, behind him to our left, if you looked out that window, you'd see K2 in the Himalayas. That's the second largest mountain in the world. That's where we was. Right out that window right there to the left is K2. I'm not sure we wasn't in Nepal already, but don't know. But here's what it cost us. It cost us nine men, plane tickets, visas, leaving our families. Uh, it took us, it took me, me, a week to get there. And I am a professional traveler. I can go anywhere normally within 40 hours in the world. Boy, it, we, it took us, it took us a plane ticket. We had to come out of Mexico. Then we had to go to Houston. Then we had to go to, uh, to uh, Munich. Then we had to go to New Delhi. Then we had to go to Siliguri. Then we had to go to Sikkim. And I just, what I just told you was four days of my life in a jet, a four-wheel drive, in a bus, in a plane, in a taxi. It ain't awesome. And to you, you sit there and listen to my stories, and you don't understand what it costs for me to get to him. And you, you say, brother, Jesus paid the price. That's that colloquialism stuff he was talking about earlier like love of God praise the Lord brother <laughs> well you praise the Lord brother right beside me and keep your mouth shut how's that sound <laughs> come on it's time to man up now it's, it's time to son of God up it's daughter of Zion time the world's waiting on us it's groaning waiting on the sons of God and here we are complaining because we, we, are, we are the nation with the cheapest gas in the world. And we're complaining because they're charging us five cents more than it was last summer when I went on vacation. I'm going to have to pay $40 extra in fuel. 
that's a rough life you got, isn't it? But here again, I promised you I wasn't going to curse you, so I'll try to let it go. <laughs> Look, when we finally got to where this guy was, the, he lives in the Himalayas, this fellow. They brought this crippled man to the service. When we got there, we had to hike up this mountain to get to the place where we're going to have service. There were so many people we couldn't even get in. And this is after a week in thousands of dollars and everybody trying to kill you. All of this was done, all of this money, all of this time was so we could go there and they can kill us. <laughs> there ain't nothing logical about none of this stuff. But Jesus invited us to go. And these people are our enemies. They hate America and they hate the gospel. So that makes them your enemy. But it doesn't mean that they my enemy. I am a son of God. I'm not part of this unit. I'm part of another unit. You can take it personal and you can sit here and curse them while you live in your, your nice world. And I don't, you, most of you are doing that. And I'm not against you. Be blessed. But as for me and my house, we have a plan. And it's to serve the Lord. Isn't that right, woman? If I have to give up my handkerchief, I guess I will. <laughs> but the money that people send to us we put it in plane tickets. We put it in hotels and food and around the planet. And because there's a man sitting in the edge of Nepal, India, there's a real gray area in there where the, where the actual line is. And he's waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God. He needs us. This man right here needs us. I roll up in there and I'm looking at the situation. There's so many people, there's so many people we couldn't get in. And I'm trying to figure out how to get to the sick people. You can't. You know what I decided to do? You would you have thought of it differently and done better. I'm sure you would have. But me, I don't have any ideas. So I got down on my hands and knees like an animal and I crawled through the people. And I get up to the thing where the band's playing. Y'all, there were so many sick people. Blind and deaf and cancers and cripples. Demon possessed. And they're laid out there. that I, I, We couldn't get to them. We had to roll on them. I rolled on top of these people and crawled through them on my hands and knees praying for them. And this man right here, they brought him for hours and hours and he'd been, he'd been crippled for years. And they set him in there, and the next thing you know, this we, we went through, you know, my version of how it was, was all this money and time and effort and all this putting this team and trying not to get us killed and all this stuff, right? His version is somebody had to carry him for hours and hours and hours to get him in that service. And in the middle of it all, Jesus appeared 
to that guy glowing and touched him and healed him. Right here. That man right there. While we were there trying to figure out how to stay alive, how not to be uh, put out by all of the travel and the hours and the money and the, everything that we think about that drives us, circumstance-oriented lifestyle that we have. Jesus appears, touches the guy, leaves, guy stands up, and that's what you get. Right there. And, and, and it was not easy to get to him. But he was waiting on us. Jesus could have done it without us. You understand that, right? It's his choice to use us. He loves us. He loves you. He loves this area. He wants you in them cane fields. He wants you in Dow Chemical. He wants you everywhere you are. You hear me or not hear me? Personally, I don't give a flip what you do. But I do care what I do. And I want to be obedient to Jesus. And I want to figure out how to love my enemies. How do I present myself? Because I know they, want to, they will kill me here. It, right there, they will kill me for just being a white guy. And then being a Christian. And then being in their place. Because you... You have no idea. You, this, that, to get there was our second or third visa just to get there where they could hate us. But you have to push through all of that hate and all of that with mercy for Jesus to show up and touch the guy. Hello? All right, let's read something here in Romans. Since we was there this morning, we'll go back. Romans 8, John, please. Verse 11 this time, not verse whatever it was we was in this morning. 21. Let's do verse 11. In the Amplified. You still there, John? Oh, you got it up there already. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, say, thank you, Jesus, that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Say it. If, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, what's going to happen? What does it say? He will restore life to you. See, most of us in this room believe in the decaying scenario where when I get to a certain age, this is going to happen to me and that's going to happen to me. Well, I will allow that, but there's two of us sitting here over 60 that are healthy. Because I heard him say it. He said he's over 60. How old are you? 65. 65. You young fellow, right? How old am I, 67 or something? 68. Dude, I was, I was walking around the time you was born. I apologize to all of you, but I, I'm trying to make myself as practical looking as possible because what I do is impossible. 
in a real human life form because it's God that does this. It is the power of supernatural energy that runs through humans that does that thing where them crutches get lifted up in the air. It ain't no human, does it? Say it with me. If, if, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, He will quicken. Say it. He will restore. Say it. Your mortal bodies. Say it. I'm mortal. I am flesh and blood. Say it. And I want restoration. Say it. Say it out of your mouth. I want to be restored. So Spirit of God, come on me. Restore me. day before yesterday I was running my 40th marathon in the last six and a half years it was a hundred degrees I was hating every step <laughs> but do you understand I had this goal you, you ain't never met a man 67 years old that has run 40 marathons and you ain't never met one that did one day before yesterday. <laughs> Look, it's valuable to you to meet somebody that's restored. I am old. It is, it is wasting away, and it is all of that's happening, but I do not have to submit to the decay. I can submit to the restoration. Jesus said, right here, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will make you alive. He will give life to your mortal body. Say it. I want life of God. I want it. Say it. I want it. I want it. So what does it look like when you get it? Now, I have to tell you that I've been in a couple of situations in the last few weeks that are quite questionable. You are fixing to raise your eyebrows, and I'm going to go ahead and let you. <laughs> You ain't got no proof that I didn't do it, but I got proof that I did. How's that sound? Come on. Okay, so look. Do you agree that radical Islam is a devil? That's either yes or no. And in this group, I would say y'all probably all believe that. Okay, so I can get you to concur that they're our enemies, right? Say yes to that. Okay, that's what your government says. So I guess you believe that. So, okay, a few days ago, I was in a place called Sierra Leone. That's West Africa. For y'all that don't know, it's right beside Lib uh, uh, Liberia, which is right beside Guinea, which is right beside Chad, which is right in the middle of the heart 
of these radical Islam people. I was invited there to preach the gospel. Do you understand? I know being an American white male Christian, I'm going to die on all, any one of those accounts. You understand that? And yet I bought the plane ticket and got the visa anyway. I sat and looked at her and I told her, God wants me to go. She said, be blessed. And she helped me figure out the, because there's a mountain of paperwork for an American white male Christian to go anywhere. It takes this much paperwork. All right. Now, listen, I apologize to you, all of you, about what's fixing to come out of my mouth. And you unbelievers, I am dead on trying to find you and run you off. I want you out of here. Because what's going to happen, God's going to touch some of us tonight. There, 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 look, there is a new thing God's wanting to do on the planet. And the old way has got to be moved so new can come. So that means renewal. That means new life, renewing, restoration, mentally. A new mind has to happen to us, older believer people. And everybody that I get around are pretty comfortable. Like the way you sing, dude, that, that's awesome. I, I like, just sit there. Just let's stay right there in that little bubble and don't move. Because I feel good. I like what I feel by what the way you sing and the way things, I like that. But there's a reason for that energy. And it's not for me to personally consume it on my lust of the flesh, uh, the way I live. It is so that I can take it out there and throw it on the planet. And God can heal the sick. That, that's what this presence is about is so we can take it in our hands and go and replenish heaven with the energy of God and, and so okay so I believe that right okay alright so I told my son my wife and our team and my son Jody says to me I'm going with you dad I said no Jody I, the odds of me coming back are zero I will die this time. He says, yes, sir, probably, uh, but you'll die, we'll die together. That's admirable. I like that about my boys. They, they'll go with me anywhere and do anything I ask them. Doesn't matter. And that's, boy, I like that. Uh, good soldiers and boys. Now, what I'm fixing to tell you, your eyebrows, I need you what I want to do is raise questions in you. I, I want you to deal with this. I want you to figure out what you would have done. And I'll tell you what I did. And you would have probably done a better job. It's just you wasn't there. <laughs> so, so the first thing I want to talk to you about, about this renewing of your mortal body you have to have your mind renewed to be able 
to step into this new power, new energy. Uh, all right. I'm sorry to you for what I've been saying. But I didn't know I was going to get into this. But I accepted, I accepted the job from the Holy Ghost without knowing any of the details. And I rarely do know the details. But I know some of them now. So the war in Sierra Leone is on the tail end. It's, 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 the rebel groups are still intact and in play and the, the, the radical Islam will kill you in a heartbeat. But that ain't, that's just part of your problem. Where we went in the north of Sierra Leone by, by, by Guinea, up by Chad up there, is, it's Muslim, flat out. Okay. I wasn't asked if I wanted to go. They set up the schedule and we went. But that's only part of your problem. There is no electricity. We were in the bush. There's no electricity. It's 105 degrees. It's 100 degrees at night. You can't go to the toilet without a flashlight or a snake will bite you. There's too many snakes. You can hear lions from your bedroom. They want to eat you. You, you can hear elephants trumpeting. They want to stomp you. Everything there hates you. the temperature, there's no water, there's no, even though I'm in a jungle, there's no running water, there's no way to get a bath, there's no way to, and, and the religious people, the witch doctors, the radical Islam, uh, it's, it's very hostile to the gospel. Now let's put you as a white American gospel person. Okay, it's just constantly, I mean, it's just stacked. This deck is stacked. But see, that's who you are in God. That's why you being a son of God is so significant. Because it is stacked against you. He is your trump card. It's not you. It's not your gifts. I am gifted. I can see my surroundings I can do amazing things and I'm blessed about that I mean I like how I've been trained but there's some things you can't fix that's why you need help you, you, need, you need Jesus now watch this I'll go there the first service but what I didn't tell you is first plane I'm going to get on to go there so I can die got canceled so here I am trying to get to where I can get killed and I'm, and I'm a day behind I'm it's costing more and more money more and more planes have to be changed and that's money stacking up more and more and more more and more hotels. I got to Europe finally but I'm still I missed my plane by a few hours so that's another day in Belgium this is miserable. And you think you think healing the sick is awesome? It, it it you have to work the gospel for it to work. You have to live it 
in a constant barrage of negative, you are the positive. They cannot run who you are. Jesus must be that. Now, it only gets worse. Hang out. I finally got there, and, and there is an island where you gotta now get on a boat and ride with the great white sharks. And it happens to be a storm. Four foot waves. I'm green. But it's like a crew boat. Any of y'all been on a crew boat? And I'm going, are you serious? When is this going to stop? Well, it's not. Then I get to get in a taxi and get rode all over the place at 100 miles an hour. Then I get to be put in a 100-degree room. And then I got to get up at 4 in the morning and drive straight up into the Muslim thing. After all that, now I'm there. Now they can kill me now. <laughs> but look, it's this thing he was taught. You got to be a Christian. The world needs Christianity. It doesn't need eccentric, spoiled brats. Entitled pricks. It needs Christians. Now, now, let me tell you why I'm saying it. That's too hard for me. Well, that's unbelievers can't take it. Bail. There's the door. Bye. But, but listen, I, I want you to hear your God is bizarre. L listen to me now. Nothing went our way. But see, I'm a soldier. I can take it. Dish it on up, son. You hear me? Jesus is king. So I get there finally. And now I can't even go to the toilet. There ain't no water. There ain't no lines. I'm going to... And then they, I get to this stadium, and it's black people as far as I can see. There's 12,000 of them there. We're in the bush. In the first night, 12,000 people showed up. We preached the gospel. The military is there for our protection. There was 200 armed military there for, for, to, to protect us. And there was 12,000 of them. You do the math. I must tell you about how awesome your God is. Because I'm sitting there in the meeting. You should have seen them people come. You ought to have seen these Muslims getting saved. It, I was there 10 days and 7,000 Muslims got saved.
my side of it was misery, punishment, putting out thousands of dollars so that I could be abused. And if they have their way, I will be murdered with witchcraft or with an with a AK or a machete if they have their way. But God is with us. And we were abused physically. It was strict. But now watch this. I'm sitting there. It's the end of the thing. I'm dripping. It's so hot. And, and I'm, all I want to do is get in that little car. Hopefully the air conditioner half works. That's all I care about. Just a minute of just a little puff of cool. <laughs> And of course, you'd been there, you could have taught me how to be a better Christian. <laughs> Problem was, you weren't there, were you? So let me tell you about my Christianity. I'm actually walking to the thing, the door's open, and I hear the little whir of the air conditioner. Oh, it's so close. <laughs> and this fellow walks between me and the car, this little SUV thing. He says, excuse me, I said, hmm. And I was going, thank you, God. The lady ain't here to touch me on the elbow. I can just get in the car. I can just be David. Just brush him off. Get in the air conditioner. But no. There was about five of them blocked me. And I go, what do you want? Well, now what? Okay, here we go. See, why am I there? All these people getting saved? Of course, you know that's the answer. People being healed, of course that's the answer. But this guy says, I am a parahefe, which is parahefe, uh, it's a, uh, I am a uh, head chief of this area. And, I, and then I stepped back and looked at him because it matters. You don't mess with a king, son. I don't care what you think you are, who you think you are, how much you want that air conditioner. If the king speaks, you back up and you, you, you calm down. You hear me? Yeah, he lives in a hut. I understand all that. The dude's a king. And when the king talks, you listen. I said, what do you need, sir? He said, I heard you raise the dead. I said, you heard exactly right. What do you need? He said, we had one of the, a man in my, one of my villages died and I need you to come raise him from the dead. I said, is this man born again? He said, he is not, he's a Muslim. I said, I'm not coming. And here's what he said to me, you will. Now there's your car, get on in it. I said, yes, sir. I got in it. I went back to my little room. Uh, and next thing I know, there's a knock on the door. The people invited me, they come in there. He said, brother David, uh, we realize it's late, but we need you to go and raise this man from the dead. I said, so the king got to you? They said, no. The king gave us an order. And see, you ain't used to that. You ain't used to people giving you orders. <laughs> Neither am I. Is honesty okay? Is it all right to be honest? I mean, you ain't going to tell me what I'm going to do. Go ahead and say it. I'm an American. You ain't doing that to me. 
Let me go ahead and tell you, we wouldn't stand it in America. The king had spoken. Okay. And they said this to me. We need you to do this. I said, done. Done. Doesn't matter. I'm good. They said, now, we don't know how. I said, I do. This is what I do for a living. But I just need you to be in agreement that you want to submit to that man. He's our enemy. They said, he is. And here's what they said to me. How do you win your enemies? I said, through the love of God. Then show us how to love our enemies, Brother David. Now see, see what the man was saying earlier. You think I want to mess with them radical Islam? Man, I tell you, nuke them all. I don't care. Is, if it's all right with you, if I'm honest, I don't care if you nuke them. But God cares if I act like a Christian when I'm supposed to. My future depends on my Christianity today. So I said, all right. And I sit down with them. We organize the plan. So in the morning, we get up and everybody's praying. We're doing what we do every day. Uh, now, I am sorry to you about what I'm fixing to say to you, but there's two things you need to understand. And I'm going to try my best to get it done here in just a couple of minutes. But I'm going to tell you one of them right now. The second one, we'll see if I make it. I, get, I go with these people. That our entourage was 30 people, right? That's how many people's in our team, 30. The ones I had plus them, we were 30. This is people running all these big campaigns we're doing. All right, I get there, and I, and I step out of that thing. It's 105 degrees. And I look over there, there's a brush harbor. It's got a casket under it. There's probably 300, maybe 400 Muslims standing there. Do you understand I am their sworn enemy? They have permission from their God to kill me. I have permission from my God to give them life. So let's work this out. What do you say? How's this going to roll? I'm going to tell you how it's going to roll. That chief came and got me, and I walked behind. As long as I'm with him, I'm cool. You understand that, right? They ain't going to override this guy's authority. So I walk up there with him, and I'm trying to figure out who's in this family, who these people are. And I roll up to that casket, and the guy turns around, and he says, bring me my friend back. I say, yes, sir. Do you understand I'm not the giver of life? Anybody got that figured out? But does anybody understand I have been ordered by the king himself to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons? Hello? Okay, so regardless of the scenario and the hate and the opposition and all the circumstances, and ah, it's evil, right? Regardless of how it is, my job is clear. I have to climb up in that casket with that fellow. Now look, I ain't never seen these people in my life. Y'all, I, I, I apologize to y'all, but I don't feel the same pressure to not do it that y'all feel. I feel pressure that I should do it. 
And I got there, y'all, and I'm looking. I'm, there's a dead man right there. I said, where's the wife? They roll her up there. She's broken like she should be. It, it's good. I mean, she's right. She's a good wife. She's Muslim. I said, where's the family? Mom's there. Dad's there. His kids are there. I said, do you give me permission? I am an American white Christian male. Do you give me permission to lay my hands on your husband? She said, absolutely. Are you hearing me? You need to hear what I'm saying to you. Because all you hear is the other examples of bombs and murders and decapitations and this is the other side. This is the love side. This is the power of God side. This is the side we live in. It was easy to climb up in that casket with that man. I'm laying on top of a dead man that I have never met in my life. And I grabbed him by the jaws and I blew into his face and I said, God, bring this man back to life. You know what happened? Nothing. Now comes the complication of embarrassment, of worried about the chief, of all that. Look, that's not my responsibility. You got to understand, I did what I am asked to do by Jesus. That's as far as it goes for me. What you think about it, I give a flying flip. Do you hear me? I was up on top of that guy, I don't know how long, 30 minutes. I got down out of that casket. And I looked over at that team leader and I said, what do you say? I said, I ain't seeing him move. He said, what do we do next? I said, this is what we do. And I turned to the chief. I said, it doesn't look like my God's going to raise him from the dead. Now, what do you want me to do? He said, you are free of me. I said, thank you. Now, give me that family. Let me show you how to express the love of God I said, I apologize to you that I failed you and I can't bring your husband back. But now let me tell you who loves you. His name is Jesus. And I, I reached across the casket and touched that woman on the head. If you would have seen the power of God, the whole family blew like a leaf in the wind. <laughs> I'm talking about radical Islam, son. The Holy Ghost smashed these people. This is... This is not that I'm a good person. It's that I'm obedient. I need you to understand what I'm saying to you. I'm not telling you I'm a good person. I'm telling you I'm obedient. You hear me? All right. So I excuse myself. These people are knocked out. It must have been 30 of them. I mean, they knocked out. And the chief said, what'd you do to them? I said, I didn't do it. I said, all I can tell you is the Holy Ghost smacked him. I said, I don't know what to say to you. It wasn't me. And I backed up. We excused ourselves. I went on. We had a meeting this time. There's 14,000 of them. Here? And I'm up there talking. Bang, bang. Just like right now. And all of a sudden, there's about three, 400 folks walk up. Yeah, I don't know who they are. But they walk right up. I mean, the platform's up in the air. Got guys with machine guns up there protecting us. And these people walk up, and I'm looking at them, and I'm trying to talk and, you know, and carry on. Because you've got lots of people now, 14,000 a bunch. 
You hear me? That's a stack. And I got through talking and I looked at the, because the head chief was in that in amongst them and I said, what are you here for? He said, we ain't never seen anybody do what you did. We saw the love of your Jesus and all of us want to get saved. Man. See, I, I didn't get the dead raised. I failed them people. But the deal is, I didn't fail those people obedience and the love of God went through the hate and the disgust and all the differences and the tribal and the national and the hate. Every stack of them got born again, including that woman. That woman buried her husband. She was there. I like that. You look at me, son. Somehow we got to love our enemies because there's a power that wants to invest in us that's bigger than we are. Now, that's one thing I want to say to you. Can I say, can I say one more thing? Now, this is completely different. Now, this is way harder to take than that was. Are you still with me or not? Now, now that was the easy one. Yeah. Can I do this? Are y'all okay so far? Because it, 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 it's knobs on, Jack. <laughs> now, when I, got, when I got over there to Sierra Leone, I said, I'm not accustomed to being around this much evil. Th these people are evil. They, they, they murder entire villages, and they get away with it. All right. Now, I'm, what I'm fixing to say to you, I do apologize to your intellect ahead of time. But your intellect is your problem. Jesus is key. Now, I wasn't prepared for what God was asking me to step into. I, and I don't know if you are, but I really want to talk to you about it. It might be too much. I don't know. I get over there, right, and there's this guy rolls up on me, big old black guy. This dude, big old boy, thick, big. He rolls up on me. He's looking at me. Papa Hogan. Yeah. And you? Who are you? He just laughed at me. All right, let me tell you who this man is. He's a very famous, of late man. Your government and the the world tribunal is hunting this fella. I know right where he's at, but I ain't gonna give him to you. Find him yourself. You hear me? Let me tell you why. He's known as the naked general. He was the advisor. He, he was a head black magic. They trained him from four years old to speak to the devil and speak to the president of Liberia. This man is right now sought out by one of, one of the governments, is y'all's government, 20,000 personal murders this man did in his army. 
The reason they call him the naked general is because he would, in front of his enemy, strip all of his clothes off and all of his men, and they would attack an armed army without anything but their bare hands and kill them. And they couldn't shoot these people. Power of the demon. All right. You all right? Uh, it gets bumpy now. <laughs> all right. See, see, I start. I know that I know this guy's story, and I don't like being around this fellow. I mean, he's he's born again now, and I, I'm uncomfortable. So, how did he get born again, brother Butch? See, my problem with your God is He loves everybody. Even the ones you have the right to hate. Now, what I'm going to tell you is bigger than us, son. I need you to step into another level of respect for the king. Can we do that? When he says, love your enemies, what's he saying to you? If you want to? No, it's command for in English. I speak a lot of languages. All right, y'all, I apologize what I'm going to say to you. But this man was at war, Liberia and Sierra Leone. They were, they were conquering nations, these people. And they're doing it with witchcraft. While you sit here and argue about what color you need the carpet to be. Or what the pastor's wife wore to church. How dare her. Are you serious? You prideful twit. I'm a pastor's son, and my mama and my grandma, I'm an eighth generation preacher. You back the hell up. Is that clear? This pride and this politics, how's that going for you? I know how it's going for you. Nearly every day you bury in people you love. Something's wrong with this gospel. Your God is powerful. Let me tell you how powerful. This general run out because you girls, you women, have a different chi or a different energy about you than men do. Y'all don't even know that anymore. But in the worlds that I live in, it's a known fact, all this power. And the women, the babies, here we go. They want to sacrifice these babies and eat them with the demon. This general, this naked general, was killing four, four young girls, preferably, he said, four years old, a day. He's sitting there with a four-year-old girl he just had sex with and split her half in two, has her heart in his hand told you it was bumpy well I don't like this, this is, that, makes my, that makes me crawl Jack that makes me tell that woman where my 44 she said I got it with her I got mine as well let's go that's how she talks <laughs> he's sitting there eating his little girl she is split half in two He's got blood running down his arm and he's eating that girl's heart. 
and somebody spoke to him and he turned around and it's Jesus standing there. And, he, and this guy, he's so demonized and so wrong and evil. He said, and you are who? And Jesus said these words, I am. And he gets knocked up against the wall. And after a while, he wakes up. He's still got blood on him. He's still naked. And Jesus is standing there waiting on him. He says, this is how it's going to go. You're going to preach the gospel, and you're going to follow me. And he walked through the wall. And the man started speaking in tongues right there. Bam. That's somebody I can hate. Do you hear me? And it's legal. I can hate him legal. No, you can't, Brother Butch. No, I can't. Our God is big. We need to let him be. Can you let him be with me or not? I sit right there with that man. I watched this man. I, I was with him for two weeks. I told Jody, I said, boy, you don't sleep. If I'm awake, you can sleep. If I'm not, you awake, boy. That, that man ain't eating my heart. I, this, this is a human I can enjoy hating. And I'd be legal to do so. But you know, Jesus walked through the wall on that man glowing and forgave him and healed him. And that man got down and held onto my feet and wept every day, every day. I love you, Brother David. And I'm looking at him. I'm trying, I tell you. <laughs> The more stories I hear about you, the harder it gets. But Jesus flat forgave the guy. We the ones need help, you hear me? We need help. We, we, we need Jesus to touch us. We so right, we wrong. We, we off the trail. We ain't on center line no more. We moved. Jesus didn't. He loves the unlovable, son. You ought to see that man get up and preach the gospel. You ought to watch him heal the sick. I sit and wept watching that guy. I told heaven, I want to be like he is. Me and that guy preached the gospel together for 14 days. Thousands upon thousands of Muslims walked down and got born again. We'd go running out through the crowd. I'd, I would be running with 10 soldiers on each side of me with guns. And I'm out in the crowd because they're going to kill us. They didn't kill us. In one service, I watched 25 cripples jump and run. 25, jump up, cripple. And I'm going, what in the world? 
such an environment. And mercy is abounding. And we live in such a peaceful, awesome place. And our best we can do is hate people. We can use the gospel as a tool, as a weapon. That ain't right. I'm going to have to disagree with that. I'm going to say we need mercy to touch us. I'm going to say we need, we need God to touch us. I'm going to say I have found something out in them woods that I like. You hear me? I like it out there. Because it's black and white. Jesus is there. His lady, they brought her up there. 42 years. I got a picture of it. I didn't, I didn't tell John to put it up there. I should, I guess. 42 years. She's just looking at me and him. I'm standing right beside him. It's naked general and me. We're just looking at that lady. Neither one of us said a word. And she just unfolded in front of us. 42 years, son. And she stood up screaming. Oh, my, I'm healed. Oh. And just walking, and the people are just freaking out. She walks that way, the people are just falling. And all she's doing is screaming how awesome Jesus is. I need you to say this. I want that. That's what I want. There's another love out there that we're missing it somehow. By being so right, we done messed up and become wrong. I'm not going to curse you. I'm not here for that. I'm here to tell you we can do this. You hear me? I wish you'd have seen that general. This man's over like 20,000 soldiers up there. He's the, he's the guy doing the for the government the front fighting these rebels he brought us onto his base got down on his knees in front of all of his commanders and held on to our shoes and thanked us for the gospel Woo! that's right he said we'll all die to the man protecting y'all preach the gospel say it I want that don't I? Said so I got out there and found me something, hadn't I? You see me? There's more. I, I ain't got time to tell you. Wish you. I wish you could see it. I wish you could see that. They brought me to an orphanage. I said, Who are these kids? About 14 of them. I said, Who are these kids? Well, it's all we can handle right now. I, said, who, I don't care what about none of that. I, I don't. I understand politics. I, I ain't interested in that. I want to know who these kids are. Well, these are throwaway Muslims. These are garbage. I said, what do you do? Just go out through there and collecting them, getting them out of, out, of, out of ditches? And Yeah. I said, what do I do about, how, how can I help you? Well, you can buy a couple of these kids. I don't know how much they cost. I'll buy two. 
I bought me two kids. I delivered them by buying them. And now I'm going to pay their way all the way through university. And I don't want them to even know who I am. And before this life is over, I'm going to buy me a hundred of them, a thousand of them. You hear me? How about that? We got this. We sent the money, didn't we? Brother Butch, do you want the gospel or do you want religion? Well, stand up and let's pray. I'm not telling you, I'm not going to curse you. You know I'm not. I ain't going to do that. I'm just not. I don't want to. I didn't come here for that. I come here because you invited me. But you, you don't have a clue what's going on. Man, there's, there's another story I might get into with you tomorrow. Number one Mossad hitman in the world, and the number one jihadist hitman in the world. Both of them, Jesus appeared to both of them, the the Jew guy and the Muslim guy. Both of them, both of them, and they lived two miles apart. They hunted each other for fourteen years, trying to kill them. Thousands of beheadings and from both sides. And Jesus walked in, forgave them flat, and they on the stage in British Columbia preaching together we were there's a gospel out here this power we can't be distracted with circumstances and pomp and politics because they ain't right that's why who gives a flying flip about your opinion anyway nobody but when you walk in the power of God people pay attention I asked him guys up there, they're, they're Shiite Muslims. I said, why you boys want me here? Why? Because you crazy, man. <laughs> you call me crazy. You got 3,000 kills. You beheaded 3,000 human beings, and you call me crazy. All right. We got this. I need you to soldier up, son. Me too. You got to let some stuff go and you got to pick up some stuff. Hear me? It's right. I'm around some really odd human beings now. But Jesus appeared to them glowing. And every one of them asking me, and you, who are you? They ain't afraid of this guy. These, these are mean human beings, baddest of the bad. They people you have nightmares about. And they just look at Jesus and go, and you, who are you? And he tells them all the same, that jihadist and that uh, Mossad guy and his naked general, you know what he said to them? I am. And bam, 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 they all get whacked. We want to play games. I'm out. No, sir. No, sir. I done bumped into something out here that's real, man. 
hear me? And I need you to come on with Because I know it's in you. It's called Jesus the King. All right, let's worship God. Let me back up just a little. I got a little intense on y'all. See, love, love don't see it the way you see it. As far as I'm concerned, I told me and this guy, we looked at each other. Well, I mean, just as just, just honest. He said, it's a good thing we didn't know each other before Jesus, isn't it? I said, yeah, because there'd only been one of us standing. Because I'd have killed you, man. He said, I'd have killed you too. I said, I understand that. But together, down. Look at us now. Isn't that something? One minute you're an enemy, the next minute you're brothers. What's up with that? I want to know what's up with that. Boy, there's something wrong with that. We've got to change how we see things. God, I ask you to forgive me. In Jesus' name. Hello? Y'all with me or not? Did I lose you? <laughs> I'm sorry it's rough out there, but it's rough. Us hiding ain't going to change it. I think we ought to just get out there and man and woman of God up on it and just see how it goes. What do you say? Let's just do it. You see me? You know what I'm doing? I'm traipsing around the world building an army. I'm going to do it. I'm doing this. Let's just worship God, okay? I told y'all I tried to retire. I bought me a fishing boat and everything. Prophets come and took my boat from me. You ain't a prophet, are you? Better not be. Holy Ghost. I don't get along with them prophets, boy. I had this great plan of how to back out of this thing. I've been doing it for 40 something years. Dude, it's enough. And God rolls up. You finally got to where I can use you now. Come on. What? This old prophetess from Malta, 80 or 90 or something years old, called me on the phone. She said, Boy, you a hard headed individual. Heaven's been trying to raise you up for like 40 years. You finally ready to work. I go, no, I'm getting a boat. I'm going fishing. All she did was laugh at me. You ain't going fishing. You got a job ahead of you, boy. You see, I'm not mad about it. I don't care. That's all right. I'll, I'll try. And now I've met all these people and things have changed and it looks like it's working. Oh my God. In, in a jihadist area, you get 7,000 Muslims saved. And you a white guy. Wow. Something's going on, ain't it? And the snakes didn't bite me and the lions didn't eat me. And I got me, I bought me two little kids. And I'm gonna buy more in Jesus' name. Shabbat. Holy Ghost. 
Come on, y'all, we got this. You men, y'all look at me. Look at me. You look at me. We got this. 